There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. That shark hits him, and I chuckle because they're all like, yeah, poopies, and then this shark just cold cocks him. I don't know about you guys. Joe was saying that he can cast his entire reel off in in one cast. If you go to portapontoon.com, you are redirected to a different URL, prisonartnews.com. I don't win the car. Come on, Meat Eater's bigger than Orvis. Good morning, Degenerate Anglers, and welcome to Bent, the fishing podcast that has no issue spending 50 bucks on a spool of braid, but balks at the price of a single tapered fly leader. I'm Joe Cermelli. I'm Miles Nolte. Truth. My my solution there is I just use the same tapered leader all season. Cause, cause That's I'm, one way, yeah. Because I'm cheap, and, and I know how to tie a damn good blood knot. So, having said all that, like, uh, I don't know where you're going with this. Is, mm. is like the theme, the, the, the price of fishing line? Is that, is that uh, what you're know, doing? Uh, no, it's like a bit of a loose theme this week, but I guess I guess it's about spending money wisely, we'll say. And it sort okay. of stems from um, like a lot of questions we've been getting lately about gear, which, as we've said, we welcome. And we get a ton of people asking for recommendations, particularly on like lower budget gear, which we're happy to provide. But yep. I think you'll agree, right, that there are also certain items in the fishing gear world that you just don't scrimp on. Yes. Yes. Uh, Lockstep with you there. Completely agree. And I, I I think I see where you're going here Uh, to connect that. I also, I never skimp online. You don't, you don't skimp online. You shouldn't. Exactly. Which I'll talk about more in just a sec here, but like another example, um, you know, like I, I also tend to look for quality hooks on lures. However, let's be honest. That's one of those things. Most of the time, right? Yeah. You can get by with with budget trebles for freshwater species like bass and trout and walleyes. But as you said, if I had to peg one like universal spend that applies to all anglers, it would be braid and fluorocarbon. Like but I before, have, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna interrupt you for just a second. Yeah, and only because I think I think the piece that brings this all together 
is like you don't want to skimp on the thing that directly connects you to the right. fish you want to catch. Exactly. Whether it's the line or the hook, right? It, you can do everything right, and if your line or your hook fails, you lose. So I, exactly. I think I think that's like the through line of like what you want to not necessarily skimp on. Yeah, and there's a million examples like when you get really sort of drilled down in different factions, like why you want to van stall over this reel and surf casting. But yeah. in general terms, no matter what you're fishing for, like that's a big one to me. And I have no issue fishing a, a like a sixty or eighty dollar rod or reel or a discount lure, but I never ever buy cheap braid or cheap fluorocarbon yep. because in my opinion. Like, that's just where, where you splurge. Like you said, that's your main connection. And I've heard people say many times, ah, it's all the same. You know, you're paying for the name. And you're not. You're not. Like, I, you're not. I have tested like, it's not this. Like, that's not true. Yeah, it's, it's not like paying extra for, for Advil, you know, when the CVS brand ibuprofen has exactly the same no. ingredients. It's not no. the same deal. Um, so, I mean, no matter what you're chasing, right, there's benefit to good fluoro because the real stuff, at least I believe, is stronger. It's more abrasion resistant mm -hmm. and more invisible underwater, which is part of the reason why you buy fluoro. So it disappears. Mm -hmm. um, and, and good braid, really, I think is an investment. Like I have a few reels that have had the same braid on them for years. No As joke. do I. As yep. do I. And I think the, the deal that I don't think people recognize is how much technology goes into making good line whether it's exactly. braid or fluorocarbon, the, the cheap ones are made cheaply and they're not made the same right. way. There is, right. and, and what you get is a totally different product that won't perform the same. It just doesn't. And, yep. and that, that teased me up because I have to ask you, what is your go-to braid? Right. Well, you're talking to a guy who's used all of them too, right? Mm -hmm. And like after coming full circle on most of the braids out there, I've gotten my hands on at some point. I got to say, I am a huge fan of Suffix 832. And that's the braid that has one gore fiber yep. woven into it. You know yep. what I'm talking about? Yeah, no, I'll, and, I'll back you up on this. Yep, and I'm sure people are like, oh, cool. yeah. It, look, it is. It's one of the most expensive braids out there, right? But of all the braids I've used, I have never had any issue with it. Uh, some people say it's like a little bit thicker diameter, maybe slightly stiffer than other braids. Break it in, that all goes away. But it is some seriously tough shit yep. like i i love that line and then i mean in a pinch right classic power pro would be a close second i think power pro is still one of the best lines it's a great there. line just don't get your fingers too close to it when it's moving quickly well that's any braid really <laughs> kind of <laughs> well now we know what you're uh using to fill those new kalon c spinning reels you do I, I know you got recently from 13 fishing that's right. That's right. You do. And and let me tell you what, man, those Kalons, they're like they're hot off the press. Brand new Smoking. for 2021. And we got a little advanced look at them. Um, and I I've been fishing them for a bit now, and I, I like them a lot so far, right? They come in smaller freshwater sizes, but they actually run all the way up to size five, which I'll be using in the salt in the very near future. Um, silky smooth so far. The drag seems really solid. And for those of you perhaps not into some of the uh, shall we say, like louder. Colors yeah. thirteen was known for the on more their reels. You know? designs, right? This, yeah, this series is all sexy chrome and gold trim, no neons, very sharp. No, nope. pretty, pretty understated, really. I also, for the record, have a few of the the Kalons. I I have to admit because they're so new, I haven't fished them a whole lot. Yeah, but yeah. I have I've gotten the the one and the two out, and so far I've enjoyed them. I gotta say, like they've, yeah. they've performed very well, particularly for the price, right? Because it's like a in that line, it, it's an $80 to a $95 reel, which is very budget-friendly and yep. therefore appropriate for the theme of today's show. 
Agreed. Agreed. You save money on the real. You have more money for high-end braid. You do. Um, yeah. Right. And I, so I also have similar examples of like where not to skimp on the fly side when you're buying gear, but I'm going to let you weigh in first to see if my examples match yours. I feel, I mean, I feel like we may have talked about this, but same deal, man. Lying. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, mm-hmm. I, I will first say though, before I dig into where I want to go, which is fly line, I'm going to give a quick tip for fluorocarbon for fly fishing. Right. Mm, and what I'm going to say okay. is don't bother with the 400% markup on, yes. on the fluorocarbon tippet that like mm-hmm. has fly fishing written on it and it's sold in those tiny little spools. Just buy the big conventional spools of really good quality fluoro. And if, if you just got to have the little mini tippet spools to hang off your vest or your fanny pack or whatever, just refill them with the much cheaper conventional fluoro. Same stuff. Save yourself a bunch of money. Having said all that, the place you should not skimp is fly line. Middle yes. of the road fly rods anymore. Excellent. Fly reels in most freshwater situations are just line holders. Salt's a little Correct. different, but I still don't think you need top of the line in most circumstances. I do notice a huge difference, however, between a $50 fly line and a $90 fly line. So I'd say spend your money there. It's worth it. Could not be more eye to eye on that. Um, and I would say we're not, wait, we're not arguing this week. We're not arguing because oh. I, I agree with this. The, the, the line was absolutely a pick of mine, right? And I, I think if you're a beginner caster, it's even more important because, and, and I know, right, the cheapest like Bass Pro house brand fly line is not going to make you proficient faster. Nope. You know what I mean? Like similar to braid, there you're paying for technology that goes into those lines. So splurge on good fly line. Um, and I, dude, I couldn't even tell you the last time I bought a spool of fly specific fluoro. Nope. I have, I have spools of 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 like micro stuff for dries on occasion. Although that's not what I do mostly. <laughs> but otherwise, like there are spools of Stren, Berkeley. Suffix, all manner of fluoro oh, yeah. ranging from four to twenty pound in my fly my fly bag, and Me it too. works just fine for fly fishing. Um, but uh, and I, I had originally brought up tapered leaders though because I if you can learn like one knot, you can easily make your own there too. You so can. That's why can. I originally shouted that out. And and I'm gonna say I, I have a lot of love just for the the aesthetic beauty of a good blood knot. The surges mm-hmm. knot works fine. I get it. It's strong. Use whatever knot makes most sense to you. But for me, sometimes the most satisfying part of my day is having that blood knot come together just yes. perfectly. Mm-hmm. It just, just locks up so in such a I satisfying way. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. But we look, look, we could we could definitely talk about this stuff all day. We can talk tackle, we can talk fly, we can talk convention, we can talk reels. But what about boats? I know we've talked about this many times. Our first boats, both of ours, were total beaters, and oh, absolutely that yeah. <laughs> that like that those conversations. Just so you all know, those conversations where the idea for DOS boat came from in the first place, right? We're just celebrating the nostalgia and the functionality and and the love we have for shitty old boats. All that said, some boats are not worth the aggravation. There are boats you should not buy, and we mm-hmm. have a. I'd call it an extra special sale bin segment this oh, week yeah. that, that I, I hope serves as a warning. No matter how desperate you are to get off the bank and on a lake in a vessel that you can call all your own, and no matter how bad you want to be the captain, do not buy this boat. Well, why did you put the head in the paper if you don't know what I'm getting at? Well, you, you didn't have to be so hurtful with me, so angry. This week's sale bin 
ha- has layers. <laughs> I think that's, that's the best I, way to say it. <laughs> that's one way to put it. Yeah, uh, layers upon layers upon layers of just like really bad ideas in yeah. this one. Yes, I'm excited for this one. This was a trip, dude. Yeah, yeah, I agree, and I agree that most of the layers consist of bad ideas. But I also think, I also think that those layers might be piled on top of a seed. A, a small seed and maybe a somewhat deformed seed of brilliance. It's like oh it's God. like the it's like the princess <laughs> and the pea. Do you remember that? Yeah. It's like I, I can I can feel the lump of an interesting concept even under all those mattresses of bullshit. Is no. that's the analogy that comes to my no. mind. No, no, no. There, yeah. There's there is no pea. There's no seed. <laughs> this will not grow if you plant it. I am a hundred percent certain. Uh, that this item is it, it is just as idiotic as the insane scheme that's been yeah. built to to sell it. Okay, this I mean yeah. th- the whole thing is funny, right? But I am shocked that any part of you has been suckered by the marketing <laughs> of this product because this uh, one a little bit. A this little one, bit. I mean, dude, we've done some wacky stuff here, but this one deserves like all the ridicule we could possibly throw at it. This one's next level. Okay, enough enough build. Let's let's okay, okay. let's set this up. Okay. All right. Uh, a few of you have sent this sale bin nomination, uh, but I th- I think the first one that I saw anyway came from Nate Lucht, Lucht, Lucht. I don't know any of those three. Let us know, Nate. And <laughs> Nate sent us a Craigslist ad from DC, and and the title of that, this ad is free in all caps free boat for reps pontoon boat kayak canoe raft John boat sea videos eight hundred dollars. And the the following description, I gotta say, the following description just makes the whole thing sound like a nautical pyramid scheme. Okay, so here it is. Become a representative for the unique and popular Porta Pontoon for only $800 and get a free, again, in all caps, <laughs> free Porta Pontoon family pontoon boat with no strings attached, sells for $999 as a representative. You are not obligated to carry any inventory or make any commitment whatsoever. You only agree to give a test ride on your porta pontoon to any prospective buyer at your convenience, for which you will be compensated $100 in cash for each test ride you give. If the prospective buyer agrees to buy a porta pontoon after the test ride, <laughs> you will be paid an additional $100. You need do nothing more. The buyer will be charged $100 less than the list price mm-hmm. to compensate for the fee <laughs> given by him slash her to you for the test ride. So, okay, right. right so, look, <laughs> let, we got it. Well, let's examine that last sentence. Yeah, the that's, buyer, where, that's where the rub. The buyer will be charged $100 less than the list price to compensate for the fee given by him or her to you for the test ride. So, I. If I'm the sales rep for the company, I have to hang out like at my local lake offering test rides that cost a hundred dollars each. <laughs> I, like, think we, what, I think we, that's what this we, means. We haven't even described the craft yet, but I'm guessing most of you wouldn't pony up a hundred clams for a test ride on anything, no. let <laughs> let alone what we're about to describe. So the ad goes on. Continue. We will handle all billing and shipment of the porta pontoon to the buyer. You are under no obligation whatsoever to make any sales. The Porta Pontoon sells itself. Mm-hmm. 
Everyone wants a test ride on the Porta Pontoon, including skeptics who don't remain skeptics after the ride. Ten test rides will net you $1,000, whether you do them in a day, a week, or a month. Become a Porta Pontoon representative now. You have nothing to risk and everything to gain, including your own free Porta Pontoon <laughs> to keep. So here's more here's more evidence that the person has no idea what they're talking about. They claim 10 test rides will net you and net is yeah. the key word, net. 1000 bucks. But you already spent $800 to become a sales rep, which is just another way of saying you just spent $800 on the boat, right? <laughs> right. Which would mean that if you did 10 test rides, you net $200. Now, I'm not an economics whiz by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, I was in the math trailer straight through college, mm -hmm. okay? Uh, but knowing the difference between net and gross is, is kind of the definition of, of basic econ, you know? It is. It is. And that was, like, everything about that setup was flawed. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. I am definitely not signing up to be a Porta Pontoon sales rep. I'm I'm not going to spend 800 bucks so I can like <laughs> hang around local lakes and try to convince people to give me 100 bucks to test ride my boat. Well, because plus you'd have to be able to take credit cards. Like who's even got 100 bucks cash I, on them anymore? I never have, I never have cash on me. It's ridiculous. None of, none of it makes sense, right? And and here's the thing that really makes the Porta Pontoon either genius or the stupidest thing ever. The entire boat consists of eight <laughs> knockoff Rubbermaid totes, four chunks of plywood, four chunks of press board, and 10 compression straps. That's it. It's, it's like a modern Huck Finn raft made from spare hardware store parts. Yeah, and it's, it's, all, That's just all, like, it it's all like strapped together. Like, and I, I literally... Like 100 bucks to, to take a test ride on Huck Finn's shitty rack. I literally, when you found this, I just typed in a search box in Google, black and yellow tote, and instantly, like hit number one, the exact totes uh, yes. for sale at Lowe's. However, yes. why not? Let's thicken the plot. Right, because the post it does get deeper. The post was written by Captain Dennis, no last name, who is supposedly the inventor of the Porta Pontoon, uh, which, according to him, it collapses and fits in the car back seat or trunk, uses oars or an outboard, your choice, suitable for a family of five. Mm. Right, and he says most popular is the basic model that does not include the optional removable canopy top. That's the most popular one, okay? Um, but, like, if this shit isn't loony enough, Captain Dennis wrote an entire book about his life's work inventing the Porta Pontoon <laughs> called The Amazing Collapsible Pontoon Boat, which he says in the post is available on Amazon, um, and in it you'll hear the story of how this magnificent invention came to be, which involved consulting with engineers to create the first production <laughs> model. Like, it's... <laughs> insane like it's maybe two hundred dollars worth of materials they're trying to sell for a thousand you could make this yourself easily in fact i i think the shipping is free because when you send him a thousand dollars he just logs on to home depot <laughs> buys all the parts and just sends them to you just sends them to I, your house I think that's, that's what you'd get you'd get it from you'd get the boat from home depot you know i i think that's all accurate and i agree with you there but i i I don't think the problem is so much in the design, as crazy as it sounds. Like, I'm intrigued by that. I think the real problem with this whole idea is branding and marketing. Because it looks like a floating garage sale. Mm -hmm. And the idea of the whole sales rep pyramid scheme angle is, is not going to work. But having a boat that you can break down into a stack of tubs and a few chunks of wood appeals to me on some level. And that's... 
that is the the seed. That is the P that I think qualifies as clever. I like the idea of a guy building his own boat out of shit laying around his garage. Yeah, and I'm all about that. And just like another comment, this is not the only collapsible boat out there. There's been what, no. like collapsible canoes, kayaks. Or, dude, there was the inflatable drift boat. Remember that? Do you know anybody who like Sadly. leaned into that forever? You know what I no. mean? Like I've never seen one of these things work. But with this one in particular, did you watch the videos? Because I have. And <laughs> let me tell you what. There's a lot of listing and sagging yeah. and dipping. So like. It's fine to, say, survive on, maybe. Like, I would rather have this than nothing if I was in the middle of the ocean. But, like, as, as a choice to recreate, I don't, did, I don't know. What kind of question is that? Did I watch the videos? Of course I watched the videos. <laughs> and I particularly like the one. Did you see the one where this computerized voice did the VO? Yeah. Like, yeah. they couldn't even <laughs> record the VO themselves. They had to type it into a program to yep. do it like a robot did it. The videos did not convince me to go out and buy the product. But... Even after watching them, the product still isn't my issue. It's it's still the marketing. It's everything from the, the pyramid scheme to Captain Dennis's crazy book. Like, that's my issue. Do you know what? I tried to buy you a copy of the book. I couldn't find it. <laughs> For Philistines? I looked. I, yeah, I looked. I was like, you're a book guy. Maybe this is terrific. It must I, it must be sold out. Or maybe Oprah flagged it and gave everyone a port a pontoon. Everybody gets humpback whales! You get a humpback whale! You get a humpback whale! Everybody's getting humpback whales. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not surprised you couldn't find a copy. Me uh, the, 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 the Craigslist ad also said that this boat was quote selected by Southern Boating Magazine, which is a real thing. But if you search the Southern Boating Magazine website, no mention of the Porta Pontoon comes up. Shocking. The ad also claims the boat was created and sold by the Fair Winds Foundation. Which doesn't seem to exist. Finally, if Shocking you go to com, yeah. <laughs> you are redirected to a different <laughs> URL that I assume was built for a very different purpose. PrisonArtNews.com. That's like the M. Night Shyamalan moment of this segment. Exactly, right? right and there. now all this might make sense. I don't know if what I'm about to say is true, but this is my this is my story and I'm sticking to it. I think this entire invention and the book about it was a project that kept somebody sane and focused <laughs> through a stint in prison. Like the porta pontoon saved my life when I was in prison. That's what I think happened. And that is my final justification for kind of loving this product. Well, there you go. It's it's all very Shawshank. Listen, we don't recommend you get sucked into this scheme, but if you do, please let us know how the vessel treats you, how it yes. handles, how it takes yes. a turn, how it works in Class 5 whitewater. Um, and if you come across someone else's prison survival product that's even slightly fishing-related, please send a link to bent at com. You know what, though? It dawns on me that considering how hard it is to find a good used boat right now, we also may just have inadvertently seeded the idea of competition. Like competition right? like, like we for, said, for the, the... Well, yeah, because like we said, there's, the there's nothing there that... Yeah, the, there's nothing there that can't be purchased at Home Depot. So, I mean, hell, I might make two and just throw them on the lawn for a yeah. thousand bucks pop. Maybe you should too. You know what I mean? Earn a little extra walking around money. That's also, put, not, up, put up another sign that says that you're looking for, uh, for reps and see yes, if people will exactly. bite on that. Exactly. It's not a bad idea. I could use whatever cash I make off of that to buy a bigger shadow box to display my huge and glittering array of trophies that I have won in the weekly internet searching competition we like to call Fish News. 
Fish News. That escalated quickly. First and foremost, right, we just wanted to say that we were overwhelmed by the number of submissions we got for the Get Bent Experience Contest, right? Like yeah. the entry period, it's it's closed now, but OMG, like, dude, we were laughing and wincing and shaking our heads reading some of those stories. Like, you guys did a fantastic job. There are some they, amazing they, stories in there. Yeah, I really, really blown away by the number and, and the quality of the content. Um you know, but it's good. It's it's going to take us a little while to comb through all of them and pick a winner. But we just want you guys to know it's, they were all received. They are all being read. It's there's some work on our end. There's some. There's a lot there. Let's just be honest. There's a lot there. We are reading them all. We we have all, and we have a hard decision to make, right? Because yes. if it, there is no one that I can point to. Go well. That one just blows them all out of the water. There right. are so many strong ones. Yes, that we have to put some thought and effort into this, or just randomly pick one. Because we run out of time. I don't know which we're going to do, but we're yeah. going to find a good one. Yeah, somebody out there is going to hear from us in the relatively near future and end up on this show. But just give us some time. We are absorbing all of them. Okay, it's going to go through many different rounds. But great job. We're so pumped. Um, I got just a couple other juicy shout-outs here before we jump into news. They're quickies, uh, but they're just so good. So you remember I did a fin clips not long ago about Mad Tom Catfish? Right, Indeed. And, and how they make excellent smallmouth baits. Indeed, uh, but also how they can be kind of tricky to collect, and how they also can can stick you with with venomous spines and give you a nasty poke. Well, listener Jim Birchfield wrote in uh, and said, "Here's what you do: not only to catch more mad times faster, but reduce your risk of getting stuck." He says, "Instead of trying to sane them, right, you lift rocks very slowly." And just take a little peek underneath. And as soon as you see a mad tom chilling under there, you lower the rock back ever so gently so it doesn't spook. And then you just give the rock a solid whack with a hammer. And the shock wave traveling through the rock stuns the mad tom. So you can just then just lift the, the rock and they're all comatose. And you just easily scoop them with a dip net. And he says after about two minutes in your bucket, the mad tom comes back to life and it's as right as rain. And if that works, that's one of the best bait collection tips I've ever heard. That's right up there with with the goldenrod grubs. Yes, I that's that's a really good one. That's actually making me want to go on a Mad Tom mission. Um, so Jim, appreciate that one. And then uh, Jake Bram hit me up on Instagram to let me know that we missed something in our coverage of the jetty in that's my bar. Hmm. Okay, he says um, it, it has a pretty strong reputation as a swingers bar. Really? So yeah. <laughs> So if that's what you're into, okay, turn off for some, turn on for others, perhaps, yep. perhaps incentive for uh, some of you uh, to, to visit this on the water drinking establishment in Maryland even more now. So appreciate that, Jake. Thanks for letting <laughs> us know to be on the lookout for that if we end up there eating the uh, oysters. So that's what I got for shout outs. That's, uh, I think it's, it's, it don't eat the oysters. No, correctly. that's that. Yeah, don't that's eat the oysters. We told. You're right. Do look out for someone who's giving you the right kind of wink. Got it. Okay, yeah. <laughs> that's what we do at the jetty. Um, we're gonna we're gonna jump into the actual fish news segment here, and just just a quick reminder for those of you who don't know, this is a competition. Joe and I don't know what the other is bringing to the table, and at the end, Phil, who is our figurehead, some might say. Maybe even our godhead, <laughs> would we call him that? <laughs> Phil is going to jump in, and he is going to decide who is a winner and who is a loser. I was going to say, he rickrolled me for real last week with yes, his with his judgment. I, like, I, that was, I, he legit rickrolled me. So 
I'm I'm still pissed that he gave you the win, but it was worth it to get the rip roll. I will yes. admit that. Um, and you are up first this week. It is your turn to lead. So it is. Give us the okay. Goods. Okay, so let's get a little weird and bloody and talk uh, freak fishing accidents because this one has to be one of the more bizarre ones I've heard. And when I when I first heard this, my initial thought was like, no way. But then after thinking about it for a while, I've changed my mind, and I see how it's 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 very plausible. So this comes from South Dakota's Kiloland.com, and it says on June 7th, Todd Thessenvitz was doing a little fishing on a lake in Minnehaha County. And during said outing, Todd connected with a nice pike. And while the story doesn't specify, I'm betting he was actually walleye fishing because he was using a bottom bouncer rig. And in case you don't know what that is, okay, picture a cigar-shaped weight with a thin wire running right through it. And the wire is V-shaped. So one arm of the V has the weight in the middle and, and more of the bare wire extending below it. And the other arm has a snap swivel at the end. So you, you tie your main line to the eyelet that's in the point or like the crook of the V. So what you do is run a leader off that snap swivel and you have it trailing a, a spinner harness or crawler harness. I think some guys even do this with just a, a live minnow in tow. And uh, the, 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 while the rig as a whole looks kind of awkward, the idea is that as the boat is drifting, okay, uh, this weight keeps the rig running along the bottom, but it's the wires sticking out of the weight that makes contact with the bottom and sort of ticks along, and uh, it doesn't snag up very easily. So basically, it's letting you drag the offering just off the bottom without get, getting hung up. Um, and it's walleye guys that I, I would say lean on them the hardest. I've right? always seen that as a walleye tactic. Yeah, it's, it's always going to say, no, no, tactic. I do this for X, but I have always seen it for walleye. Right, right. So anyway, Todd's out there bottom bouncing. He hooks this pike. And just when he gets it to the surface, his leader snaps, slingshotting the bottom bouncer at him. And it, it hits with the wire end first right in the chest. And he says in the story, I seen the bottom bouncer come flying towards me like in slow motion. Well, I thought it just hit me in the chest. But when it hit me in the chest, I felt something right here and then realized that it was stuck inside of me. So the, yeah, so the wire below the weight punched into his chest so hard and deeply that it punctured the freaking left ventricle of his heart, okay? Oh, and as I said earlier, at first I thought, no way. Like, there's so much hardness there, your, your, your breastplate and everything. Um, but I don't exactly use bottom bouncers, so it's not a piece of tackle I'm very familiar with. And I swore that I remembered them having, like, a curled-over end or, like, an angled end, but I was totally wrong. No, it's just no, a, they a don't. Cut, it's just, yeah, it's just, it's just a, a cut-off piece of stiff... Yeah. wire coming out of the bottom of that wake, which makes this thing like a heavy-ass blow dart with a really <laughs> long tip, right? So now that, now that I like, like kind of like looked into the bottom bouncer and I see, I see how this is possible now if that thing's flying at you. So luckily- I mean, you can't, I don't know about you, but all I can think about is the scene in Pulp Fiction right now. Oh, totally. When he hits her in I, the chest with the adrenaline needle. Exactly. It, you got you to punch through the breastplate yeah. with the needle. That's exactly. All I can think about. He's like, you got, yeah, you got to hit her so hard. I, same thing. Like, the, still, even though, the, you know, it wasn't blunt, like it is a pointy, I guess, wire, it still seems like the amount of force it would have bent before it made it through there. But they're, apparently not. Super stiff wire, man. I've, I've, I use those. Yeah. I, they're, they're, they're stiff. I can see okay. it. Okay. 
Okay. Well, there you go. So luckily, Todd's wife and daughter were out with him, and his daughter happens to be a nurse. And uh, she had the wherewithal to leave it in. She said, you know, your instinct in a situation like that, uh, when you have something foreign, is to just get it out. But they credited her with his recovery because they didn't take it out. So they had first responders waiting at the dock, and his wife, Marie, drove them in. And she said every wave they hit, the poor guy was just, like, screaming because it hurt so bad when he was getting shaken around, right? Um, And apparently the, the ambulance crew cut the weight off the bottom bouncer and then clamped off the wound, leaving just the wire in his chest so he wasn't traveling with the whole weight anymore. Um, And then he was airlifted to Sioux Falls. So Todd is recovering, but according to the story, he says his doctors in Sioux Falls say it's a miracle he's still here because had he pulled the bottom bouncer out, they figured he would have bled out in 30 minutes. Mm. So like what a twist that like his daughter was there to say, don't do that. So... If something like that ever happens to you, remember to contemplate. Do I take it out or do I leave it in? Do I take it out or do I leave it in? Ah! And so, so this is this is on this is on par with sinkers hitting people in the eye and mm-hmm. ending up like inside their skull, behind their eyes, in the ocular cavities. I've seen that. I'm sure you've seen those X-rays. Yeah. Um, I once got pictures from a dude that ended up with a bullet weight in his cheek, mm-hmm. like it was a literal bullet. Um, but I think the big lesson here with this story is that this the snapback is sort of a a sleeper misery maker in fishing. I don't think we think about it enough, you know, like you're just you just hurry up and yank to get things unstuck. But I mean, even like a tiny clouser or split shot can hurt you very badly. I'm sure so I bet some of you out there have stories, matter of fact. I have seen it personally. Yeah. Uh yeah. When, when I was guiding Alaska, particularly for sockeye, and people would snag the sockeye, you'd always make the young guide go net oh, on sockeye yeah, yeah. trips because you got that big <laughs> chunk of weight and this big and dude's just know, reefing on it, right? Yeah, with someone yeah. just reefing on it, and you're like, hey, new guy, you're on net <laughs> because that thing pulls out of the side of the fish and it comes back, and they're you know solid chunks of lead coming straight at you. I watch I watched this kid take one in the forehead and just go out cold right on the really on the gravel bar, dropped him done. It was, and he had a really nasty egg wound on his face for a while. I felt bad for him. But back to the story you were really talking about. I saw this on a Facebook post, and I think you missed the best detail of the whole story, right? Mm. Because the Facebook post I saw was from his wife, from Todd's wife. Yeah. They rush, you know, they make the call, they rush to get to the dock, they get him into the ambulance. She asks a friend to help get the boat back on the trailer because she's kind of shaken up, understandably. And before she goes to the hospital, she makes sure to cover the boat. <laughs> that, that was not in the- <laughs> That detail was in her Facebook post, and I just thought, yes. Yeah, I, I didn't yes, see the Facebook did. post. I was just reading the news story. They did not mention that. That's good. She's a keeper. That's that's fantastic. <laughs> He's being rushed to the hospital, but, you know, we we got to get the boat cover on before we I go. I have anywhere. to flush we this engine, okay? That. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that. That that is the right order That's of great. operations. That's yes. great. And good news on this one, right? He's recovering. This kind of ended the best that it possibly could have. Like you couldn't yeah. get a better outcome from this. It's yeah. a freak accident. It's not like I'm gonna be afraid of using bottom bouncers, but that's to have him survive that, first of all, testament to the dude. He's he's tough. And second of all, I'm just happy that that's the way it went. That that's the yeah. way we're telling the end of this story. Yep. And I gotta say, I've been kind of a downer with the fish news lately. 
right? So I, I appreciate the happy story because mm-hmm. I have been bringing some some negativity into the tournament, perhaps. In my defense, I just report on what's happening. Like, it's it's not my fault that fish are dying well, so everywhere. Do I. So that, do I, but I look at these stories and I'm like, oh, that's brutal. That's not funny at all. I'll leave that for Miles. It's still important, right? And the, these things <laughs> are not is. my fault. Don't hate no. the messenger, Phil. Don't hate the messenger. <laughs> but for a change of pace, this is the week of optimism. And right. I appreciate you setting me up. Nothing but positive stories for Miles today. So strap on your rose-tinted glasses and prepare to feel just a little better about our, our shared fishy world. All right, first, great news from the great state of Minnesota that comes to us from the St. Paul Pioneer Press. A recent environment and resources bill passed both the state House and Senate and is awaiting the signature of Governor Tim Walls. I'm sure that bill includes all kinds of substantive provisions that will have implications for fish and wildlife and water and land contained within its many, many pages. But I am going to focus on one single sentence, which reads, The commissioner must annually establish daily and possession limits for gar. Nice. Phil, yep, saw this. can we get yeah. a round of applause for that, please, Phil? <laughs> and some of you out there might be wondering why I just requested applause for one vague and basic sentence slipped into I get it. a 65, state level. 65 million years, and finally someone cares. Exactly. <laughs> it's one sentence. Like, a, you know, one sentence slipped into a state-level omnibus bill. Doesn't seem like much. But with that sentence, as you were saying, Joe, Gar just made a huge leap up the ladder of fish management hierarchy, right? Because historically, Gar have been classified as rough fish in Minnesota and are still categorized as such in most states. Rough fish have none of the basic protections afforded to game fish like size limits, bag and possession limits, or seasons. People can kill as many rough fish as they want anytime they want so long as the method of take is legal. Most rough fish, gar included, are native. As you say, 65 million years, gar dinosaurs. Yeah. They've been swimming around North America far longer than your beloved bass. They got here first. Yep. All right. Now, the term rough fish dates back to the mid 19th century and reflects the uninformed attitudes and beliefs toward natural resources that was common at that time. The fact that much of the U.S. still maintains a rough fish versus game fish cast system of management is in my opinion, completely outdated and fails to recognize all that we've learned about ecology in the past half century. A couple generations ago, anglers were taught that rough fish, i.e. any fish besides what they were trying to catch, were taking up space in the lake that could be occupied by something better. Mm-hmm. Perch or smallmouth, for example. Yep. It was once common practice to toss all rough fish up on the bank and leave them to rot. And many people who did this genuinely thought they were doing good for their resources. But we now know that aquatic ecosystems don't function that way. They're not a zero-sum game. Killing tulipy and suckers won't make more walleye. It'll just disrupt the ecosystem and potentially harm the very fish populations those anglers thought they were helping. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, wanton waste laws came along, which theoretically prevented people from slaughtering rough fish and leaving them to rot in most states. But rough fish still lack basic protections and baseline management. This bill in Minnesota doesn't go so far as to name gar game fish, 
some lawmakers uh, opposed right. such a radical change and threatened to vote against it if it actually called guard game fish. Can't have that. Heaven forbid. Yeah. But it does establish some baseline protections for them. It's one small step toward rectifying a national fisheries problem. We don't know what the limits will be like. The limits aren't set. But the fact that limits will be set, that's meaningful. That's a step yeah. forward. Yep. The legislation came as a result of public outcry following a YouTube video from last winter that showed a group of dark house spears in Minnesota with 82 dead gar laid out on the ice. The video captured the attention of thousands of people who know nothing about native fish classifications or management, but simply saw what they perceived as carnage and assumed that such a thing had to be against the law. <laughs> it wasn't. Yeah. And when the Minnesota law enforcement put out a public statement saying that the Spears had done nothing illegal, public rancor shifted to the lawmakers demanding that they, quote, stop the slaughter. Similar incidents have popped up recently in other parts of the country as well, like the video of bow fishers in Oklahoma spearing and then tossing more than a thousand gar overboard. That incident inspired Oklahoma DFW to propose a new rule requiring bow fishers to keep all fish that they arrow. That rule didn't pass due to strong pushback from bow fishers. So it pisses me off that we now make management decisions about native fishes based on who's yelling the loudest. Yeah, that's yeah, that's the, that's sort of like the the key thing here. It's like yeah. it's great, but look at why. Right. You know. Right. The the fact that politicians and this is true everywhere. Most people don't know this, but politicians are in charge of setting laws and designations for fish and wildlife, and that's a that's a huge part of the problem. Biologists and management agencies should make those decisions. They don't. Instead, it's elected officials trying to placate a generally uninformed public. But again, this is a happy story. I'm not focusing on that. I, I had to point it out, but this is a happy story. I'm genuinely happy that GAR <laughs> will now be managed in Minnesota. I do wish we'd gotten there through fact-based research on population dynamics, which has existed for quite some time, instead of people getting pissed off over a YouTube video and yelling at their local representative. But I do hope that this signifies a broader shift on the horizon for how we manage rough fish. Yeah, I mean, I would like to I would like to think that too. I mean, another thing that people don't know or think about with gar and again, I I might be talking out of school in terms of the species in Minnesota and stuff, but I know like with alligator gar, the conditions have to be so perfect for them to spawn. Yes. And then if you look at the growth rates on these fish, it takes like your lifetime to make a 60 pounder. Like they are like they grow so incredibly slowly. So that alone, just like seeing how careless people are with these fish and how they'll just whack so many of them, I, I mean, it's not like, you know, it's not like carp or something that has a relatively quick turnaround. Like that species in general takes so long to mature that it, it always made it a little bit worse. I, I mean, I would I would love to think this is a step in the right direction. It is a step in the it right is. direction. It no is matter, a step in the right direction. The, unless the limit is like, 50 an hour <laughs> like you know what I mean? i'm hoping they're not gonna do that i'm hoping they're not gonna do that the limits are set by the commissioner so those are not a political choice yeah but i do hear what you're saying it's like it's 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 a great thing but it's happening because a bunch of people that aren't even involved in in the fishing world are just upset yeah i think a lot of things are happening for that reason these days you know so um that's good though. Actually, a few of my buddies from Minnesota sent this along and were like, hey man, this is like this is some really good stuff happening up here now. It is. It is. 
O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself. And you can find what you need in store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. You ever get that feeling you're stuck inside staring at screens and a primal urge kicks in? You crave wide open spaces, fresh air, the chance to connect with the land. Well, maybe it's time to find your own piece of the wild, but searching for property can be a maze. That's where land.com comes in. They got millions of listings across the country, from mountain ranches to hidden fishing holes. Their search tools are like a seasoned guide helping you narrow down what you want. Land.com isn't just about buying and selling. It's about finding a place to hunt, fish, explore, or simply sit by a campfire and listen to the crickets. So head over to land.com today to turn one day into today because trust me there's nothing quite like the feeling of standing on your own piece of earth there's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the sunshine state or any other destination on your fishing bucket list book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids with over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Uh, my, my second story is about a YouTube video, and um, it's a terrible it's a terrible story. I just couldn't <laughs> leave it alone, mostly, mostly because it gives it gives us a reason to discuss things that were funny when we were kids that have in, kind of run their course, right? If that makes sense, or it will make sense. Um, but this comes from from Loudwire.com, which is actually a pretty good music news site. I think it's our first story ever from from Loudwire. Um, the headline of this one is Jackass Forever guest star rushed to hospital after shark attack. So I guess there is uh, another yeah. jackass movie yeah. coming out, right? And uh-huh. it's 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 getting a, it's getting to be a little fast and furious. You know what I'm saying? Like enough already. <laughs> I mean, right? what else have they got? Okay, but look, what I what I gather uh is is this this is a a joint effort to film parts of the movie and use some of what they're filming to also promote the movie during Shark Week, which is another thing similar to Jackass that I believe has run its course and gone to hell. Like, Shark Week just, I think, sucks uh, for the last 10 years or so. Um, But uh, the Jackass boys took to the high seas with, quote, extended cast member Sean Poopies McInerney. Now, (laughs) 
<laughs> right off the bat, I really love the extended cast member idea. Yeah, who the because hell it's is like, this? duh. Yeah, I know, but it's also like dude, the original Jackass members are older than us. Like you Way have older. to have extended cast members in 2021. They're old men. Like, dude, Johnny Knoxville popped up in the video in question for a hot minute. Dude looks like freaking Lou Reed. No, like his I, hair is like pure white. It's like, you know, damn, John, not letting cops shoot sandbags out of a pump shotgun at you anymore. You know what I mean? I, I, I did see the story and I did see that video. It may, You remember when he did that movie, Bad Grandpa? He, yeah, he looks worse he than looks, the character he played <laughs> Bad Grandpa. Like, how did that happen? But I'm like, man, it's, you know, but I, look, so, so Poopies is a <laughs> That's what he calls himself. I'm going with it. I know. Poop Poopies is apparently a famous surfer. And what he was supposed to do in this video was be pulled uh, by a jet ski on a wakeboard to a jump that was floating out there in the water and launch, hit the jump and launch over a school of what looked like reef sharks. And to me, they looked like all worked up. Like maybe they had been baited to get them all chewy and fired up. Well, they were definitely poop, agitated. They were agitated. Well, Poopies hits the jump and crash lands into the school of sharks. And everyone is laughing and hooting and have a wonderful time until the shark literally like launches at him on the surface and grabs his hand. And then the music in the video gets very dramatic. People are screaming for medical bags and tourniquets and they jump in, you know, to save the dude. Um, now, Poopies got stitched up, uh, though they did have to like reconnect some arteries. It was a pretty good bite on his hand, uh, but Poopies is fine. But I'm I'm about to say something that will make some people think less of me, but I'm already going to hell for much worse, so I don't really care, okay? I think this was like the funniest jackass video I've ever seen, and I think that it it speaks to maturity level, believe it or not, and hear me out. Like, when I was much younger in high school and college, I thought jackass was as funny as everyone else did, and I think, like, you know, people like my age identified with those guys when we were kind of the same age and, like, kind of like those guys in our party phase. And now I look at this, and the twist they're going for here is that, like, jackass turns serious. Like, guys, this is serious now. No one's laughing. This is jackass doing serious. But, like, it's poor young poopies out there getting his hand <laughs> chewed off. Chris Pontius and Steve <laughs> O are bone dry on the boat drinking a White Claw and pontificating about the situation. Like, listen to this. Listen to this insight. I mean, this was only one bite in one spot? Okay. And he's not missing anything. Nope, is... nope. It's a reminder that, yeah, like, we are pushing it pretty hard. And this could, all, this could happen, of course. It's either, like, everything's okay or this happens. Like... My point is, my point is, like, had uh, Poopies successfully jumped to the school of sharks, I would have been, like, lame. Like, who cares anymore? Like, so what? Like, you guys are literally jumping the shark, which I'm betting this whole stunt was was a play on the famous jump the shark saying. It Fonz was. You didn't see that? Happy. He's, he's yeah. wearing oh, yeah. the Fonz jacket. Oh, I didn't see the Fonz jacket. Okay, yeah. so there he goes. The jump the shark. Uh, but 18-year-old me would have been in the cafeteria like, you guys see poopies jump those sharks? And older, more cynical me, like I get more enjoyment out of shit going wrong than right. And I'm sorry again, but like that shark hits him and I chuckled because they're all like, <laughs> yeah, poopies. And then this <laughs> shark just cold cocks them. And they're like, oh, no. And like I, <laughs> I laughed. I'm sorry. I'm terrible. You guys should watch this video. Anyway, it's I, The thing for me was tr watching Pontius and Steve-O trying to be serious. 
and yes. like mature about it. And it just doesn't yes. work. I'm, I mean, yes. those guys, that's not what they do. They, they're good at being jackasses. They made a career out of it. But then trying to be like the, the very serious, you know, like deep thinking, let's talk about the implications of our choices. That doesn't work for them. That's not who they are. Dude, and Steve-O went on a whole rant about how in the early days of Jackass, he made like $4.75 on beating the crap out of himself, and this whole thing ends with Poopy's demanding more money. <laughs> and I hope he gets it. I hope he does too. You know? Uh, like maybe, and maybe a new nickname. Bloodies? Yeah, well, bloodies? Sharkbait? Blo- I don't know. Blo- bloody Poopies. We've all had them. <laughs> really? That, that totally ruins any chance I have at a segue. You're an Oh, jerk. shit, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I didn't do anything with that. I am going to move from, uh, well, from, from one cartilaginous fish that will bite off Poopy's hand to another cartilaginous fish that won't because it doesn't have teeth. And I'm sticking with my theme of, of good news for ancient fishes in North America. We're going we're gonna to roll with that, okay? Yep. A field crew from the U.S. Geological Survey's Tunison Laboratory of Aquatic Science netted a 61-inch, nearly 70-pound female lake sturgeon migrating up New York's lower Genesee River to spawn. This is the first documented lake sturgeon spawning in the Genesee River in over 50 years. Hmm. I'm familiar with the Genesee River. Okay, fascinating. This one did not hit my radar, by the way, so I'm, I'm, I'm all ears here. And as you know, the lower Genesee runs right smack through the heart of downtown Rochester. Mm-hmm. Not known as the most pristine of environments. No, nope, right? sure isn't. Before it dumps into Lake Ontario. And that area was designated as a, an area of concern by the New York Department of Environmental Conservation, meaning, quote, the chemical, physical, or biological components of the area's ecosystem are degraded as a result of local human activities. In other words, it was all messed up and polluted, and the sturgeon couldn't live there. Yep. So for decades, the DEC worked with regulatory partners at the USGS, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, the EPA, as well as Monroe County Department of Health to improve water quality and restore habitat in that Rochester area of concern. The DEC began stocking Lake Sturgeon in 2003 and estimated that the females would reach spawning age in 17 to 18 years. Well, here we are, Mm -hmm. 18 years in, and the first recorded sturgeon has returned to the river. The fish was measured, weighed, and then put back to hopefully find a male and produce some wild offspring. A sturgeon returning to the Genesee signifies that all the work that has gone into cleaning up the river and improving habitat is paying dividends. And I, you know, I gotta say, I think it portends well for the species' possible recovery there. And this is also part of, of something you're aware of. It, it's a larger trend of increasing lake sturgeon numbers across New York State, which has been a priority for the DEC Mm -hmm. for more than 20 years. They've really put a lot of effort into this. This is one of those examples, and frankly, a rare example, of varied interests, like different agencies coming together toward a common goal. You You had all those different agencies that I mentioned. You had industry, you had fisheries managers, and also anglers have come together and have both made efforts and concessions in order to get here. The New York DEC is reminding anglers that though lake sturgeon are starting to come back, they're still listed as threatened. Intentionally yeah. fishing for sturgeon remains illegal. Don't get too excited. And accidentally hooked fish should be kept in the water and released immediately. They also ask that anglers who incidentally catch a sturgeon just move to a different spot. Like, there's sturgeon there. Go somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. 
That seems like a small ask to me because if this continues to work, like we might be able to intentionally fish for lake sturgeon in New York in, in the foreseeable future. Your yeah, son in our lifetimes. Yeah, yeah exactly. Your son yeah. might be able to go sturgeon fishing close to home. Yep. And all of that, I got to say, just makes me genuinely happy. Yeah. No, dude, that's that's amazing. And and there's actually so I've seen um at the mouth of Niagara River in Lake Ontario, I've seen crews out there like doing netting surveys and things like that mm-hmm. on the sturgeon. I know they put a ton of work into this. Um, but if the if that river is cleaning up enough to make that viable, to make that that return happen and slowly build on something there, it's got some pretty cool implications even beyond the sturgeon. Because you got to remember the Genesee and Rochester are in the heart of that Great Lakes steel and salmon country. Mm-hmm. There's a ton of rivers up there that get a ton of pressure and you know boost the economy and bring a lot of people in. Nobody ever talks about the Genesee. Now there's probably some guys listening who are like, please stop talking about it because it might be like super sleeper. Right. But you've got this pretty big river there that could accommodate a lot of anglers and a lot of fish right in the heart of all this. And it's, I've always just heard it's too dirty. They don't, or they get, you know, a couple, but it, it, they don't get the kind of runs that the nearby rivers get. So, I mean, what a great turnaround that would be if this is sort of also speaking to, to that cleanliness. I'd be curious to see if, like, there's more natural push of the, the implanted salmon and steelhead moving into that river now, too. I'd certainly like to think that, that that's going to be one of the, the, the byproducts of this. Like, if that ecosystem is clean enough that a sturgeon can come back, that, that bodes well. But the other thing that we don't know yet, right, we know the female sturgeon was able to mature and yeah. come back upriver. Right. We know she's trying to spawn. Right. We don't yet know if conditions have improved enough that uh, yeah. that they'll successfully spawn and that the eggs will hatch and all that. And I think once we get to that point, then then we can say with a little more confidence there, there's been a major rebound and other species might follow suit. Sure. And that's what they really need to see, I would imagine, for us to have any hope of a sturgeon fishing season. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. You need You need consistent natural reproduction. And then, you know, the fish will take care of themselves if we let them. Well, dude, I love a good urban fishery, so I like I wish wish nothing but the best for for the Genesee. And to all our listeners in the Rochester area, I love I'm a big Genesee beer fan. Like Me Jenny too. Jenny Cream Ale. Like hmm. that does not get enough respect. I have a Jenny beer sign hanging in my office. Uh, so I, I hope I hope that all works out and gives me more reason to come up there and drink it like in its native land. I've never had a Jenny Cream Ale in Rochester. So, uh, you know, hopefully that, that could be good. So, um I guess as soon as, as well, we're going to go to Phil, Phil's going to decide if he prefers healthy gar populations or uh, healthy poopies. And then as, as soon as we're done hearing from Phil when he declares a winner, we're going to do a little trivia with a, a pretty famous friend of ours who could probably recommend a really great fly pattern for the Genesee River. All right, guys, I am having some trouble deciding who the winner is this week. So I've decided to come up with a little metric. I am going to choose a word just completely at random. Whoever said the word the fewest number of times during the Fish News segment will be the winner. Yeah, I know. It's kind of counterintuitive, but uh, let's see how you guys did. Miles, how many times did you say the word? Poopies. Wow. Miles only said the word poopies one time. Joe, it's going to be tough to beat. How'd you do? Poopies. Poopies. Poop. Poopies? Well, Poopies poopies got stitched up. Poopies is fine. Poor young Poopies out there. Poopies, you guys see Poopies jump those sharks? Yeah, Poopies! 
poopies demanding more money. Healthy poopies. Bloody poopies. We've all had them. Ooh. By my count, that was 13 and a half times. I'm sorry, Joe, but it looks like Miles is the winner this week. Congratulations. You gotta be highly skilled for these f***ing shows. You understand that? Yes, I do understand. Are you well-versed there? Are you a very smart man? Yes, I am. All right. Playing trivia today, our dear friend, uh, I'm sure you know him, Mr. Tom Rosenbauer of Orvis fame. What is going on, Tom? Hey, Joe. How you doing? We're good, man. Uh, so happy to have you here. Uh, and I mean, look, you're the author of countless books about fly fishing, host of the Orvis podcast. You're like a new media mogul, right? So <laughs> we, we try to tailor our questions to what we know about our guests. And I mean, basically, like you invented fly fishing, right? So I'm, I'm not certain there's a fly fishing related question that would actually stump you in trivia, but we're going to try. So we'll, uh, we'll see how this goes. You're making me feel old, Joe. <laughs> oh, just wait for my second question. Yeah. Um, but listen, considering the first time that, that you and I fished together, I couldn't find you for the first hour because you were out on a river island taking macro shots of bugs. This first question should not throw you because you know your bugs, but we'll see. So uh, here's question number one. Are you ready to play? Are you, are you mentally there? Yeah. Okay, great. All right. So there are more than 3,000 species of mayflies known worldwide. And for the most part, most people just call the whole lot of them mayflies. However, in certain places, mayflies as a collective are known by other names. So which of the following is not an alternative name for those 3,000-plus mayflies? Is it, is it A, shadflies, B, upwinged flies, C, fishflies, or D, springflies? Fishflies. You're, you're jumping to fish flies. Yeah. Oh, man, no. It's the, the fake one there is D, spring flies. Really? So according, according to my research, the Canadians often refer to mayflies as shad flies or fish flies, and the Brits have been known to refer to them as upwinged flies. Oh, God. I don't win. I don't Tom. win the car. I don't win the car. <laughs> the car. The car. What kind of yeah. money do you think we have here? I'm just gonna, I was just going to send you a dozen uh, fish flies. I told myself. Meat eaters bigger than Orvis. <laughs> uh, apparently, apparently uh, Joe didn't fill you in on this. The, you can't win anything. You can only lose yeah. dignity. That's yeah. how. It works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. That's how. That's how there this it works. Goes. It's, it's out so, the window. Man, I figured in one of the books you would have run through all the weirdo names for mayflies at some point. I'm but, not really okay. a bug guy, despite. The fact that I was taking macro shots. I think I was working on a book or something. <laughs> you, you were. You were working on a book. All right. So speaking of books, um, your book, The Orvis Fly Fishing Guide, is hailed as somewhat of a Bible in this sport. And I hope I'm correct in that it was released in 1984. Do I have that right? You have that right. Okay. So it's been around. Uh, I was two years old when it was released. So talk about <laughs> feeling old. Okay. So anyway, 84, man, that was a big year for you, but it was a big year for a certain band as well. So I want to know, which of the following was Billboard's number one rock song in 1984? Uh. Was it A, REO Speedwagon's I Can't Fight This Feeling Anymore? B, Foreigner's I Want to Know What Love Is? C, Kenny Loggins' Footloose? Or D, Van Halen's Jump? Um... You know, the 80s was, as far as I'm concerned, a dead zone for... But, <laughs> You're not wrong. Um, yeah, it was like the lost decade. 
I figured, look, I've seen you get a tattoo on the floor at a fly show in Jersey. So I know you got a little bit of metal in you, man. I know you got, you got a little bit of rock and roll, Tom. I would say, uh, what was the second one? So it's uh, REO Speedwagons, I Can't Fight This Feeling. Foreigners, yeah. I Want to Know What Love Is. Kenny Loggins, Footloose, or Van Halen's Jump. I'm going to go with Foreigner. Damn, that's correct. The yeah. number one rock song of 1984 was Foreigners, I Want to Know Nailed What it. Love Is. So I do get the car. You you get yeah you get the, you get uh, the car that's you, already in your driveway right yes, you that do. one or uh, you can choose any car in any foreigner music video so you gotta okay. go on YouTube and we'll we'll track it down for you but damn Tom Rosenbauer misses the Mayfly question and hits the foreigner <laughs> that's just made my day uh, and just so just so we know the the number one overall song that year was when doves cry so Tom thanks for playing respect on the foreigner answer my friend well, well thank you Joe. And Miles. Hey, speaking of foreigners, uh, we're going to close out this week's show with our very good Canadian buddy, Jay Siemens. Uh, and, and, and we're going to kick aside end of the line this week for a tackle hack. Um, and this is the perfect closing tip, in my opinion, because it ties, pardon the pun, back to braided line and getting the biggest bang for your buck when you splurge on that premium braided line. Yeah. No, that, that that's valid. I'm going to guess that the diehard anglers who know about braid are aware of this trick, mm. but I'm also going to guess that there's a, a decent number of you that don't know this. And I will actually go as far as to say, this is one of the best budget friendly fishing tips. Agreed. I know yeah. of it. It does take a little effort. You have to put in some time, but it's, it's worth it. And I think Jay did a, a, a very good job of adding a little, bonus knowledge on why proper line spooling is so critical i'm getting hacked coming from inside the city Fight the planet! it's time for that part of the show where we might actually teach you something useful for fishing every once in a while we give you something that you, you might actually use to help catch fish or, or deal with gear we got our good friend jay siemens back to give us a tackle hack and uh and i think jay's got a pretty good one that might actually save you some money Jay, what do you got for us today, man? Well, I heard that fishing line is going to be the new toilet paper of 2021. <laughs> I've that's heard the same are... thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I think, I think that's totally accurate. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, braided line isn't cheap. You're spending whatever, 20, 20 bucks, 25 bucks on a spool. So the thing is, I mean, I don't know about you guys. Joe, Joe was saying that he can cast his entire reel off in, in one cast. But Correct. Uh, Correct. Typically, typically you're <laughs> casting, you know, only a quarter of your spool out on, on your typical cast. So at the end of the year... Your, your line in the first, the first quarter is, you know, it's a little more frayed. It's a little more worn. So instead of just throwing out the entire spool, what I like to do is I'll transfer it off onto an empty spool, transfer it off a second time to reverse it, and then you put it back on your reel. So essentially, it's a, it's a brand new spool line until you get right to the end. Then you're actually getting to the stuff that's worn from the year before. So you might be able to get like two seasons, three seasons out of your braided line. That's a good one. You have an extra step that, that I've have not done in there before though. Cause I've used this trick before. I've always just gone like, you need a second reel for this, but I've always just gone reel to reel, but reel to spool to spool to reel. If you want to keep, if you want to keep it on the same reel, if you want to switch it to another reel, then, then doing that as well works. Yeah. Yeah. yeah totally. Because yep. Jay, Jay is doing it properly and like with <laughs> proper care and time to literally, to actually reverse the, the line on the reel he needs it for. Whereas yeah. I am lazy and I'm like, well, that one over there needs new lines, so this <laughs> yeah. I can do this now. 
like only yeah, under those these circumstances. These reels are close enough that I can transfer line, and I don't want to go through those two extra steps, so I'm going to do it this way. Yeah, you, you're doing it the right way, Jay, and Joe and I are lazy. And well, entitled. one other <laughs> one other thing that helps a lot is just having a, a cheap spool of monofilament, and then also filling your spool up. Like I'll put that down at the bottom first, and fill it up maybe a quarter of the way. And then, and then you're filling it right to the edge because I see so many people that fill it maybe halfway of their spool and your reel doesn't perform as well. It doesn't cast as easily when you're actually cranking the handle. It Maybe it's supposed to crank six inches of line, but when it's half the diameter, it's only cranking half that, right? So filling your spools is so important right to the edge. It's funny because I remember when Braid first came out, right? Everybody recommended that you had to put a bed of mono down first because it needed something to bite into, aside from filling your spool. Yeah, that as well. And now reels technically don't anymore. They have the, the rubber gaskets on them and they're all yeah. you know, supposed to be braid ready. I never got away from that. Even if it's a braid ready reel, I never fill the entire spool with braid. There's always yeah. some level of mono backing on there. Well, and then you yeah. might get you might get two reels out of it, right? If yeah. you're using a little bit of mono, you never need that much line unless you're catching sharks or something, but you know. <laughs> Which I also do. So <laughs> yeah, in your spare time. <laughs> I cast all my line and then I catch sharks everywhere. Yes. My name is Joe Sermelli. That's like triple, triple tackle hack in one. And and I'm going to reiterate that for those out there. You really do got to fill your baitcaster spools all the way to the edge if you want them to perform the way that they should. I, just like you, Jay, I see a lot of people who make that mistake and then they wonder yeah. why they can't cast the distance they want, why they can't retrieve the way it's supposed to. It, yeah. it absolutely matters the performance of your reel. So good stuff there, guys. Uh, hopefully that's useful as all of you are uh, trying to find lines somewhere in the barren wasteland of tackle that we live in now. Dude, for the last few weeks, every time I see 300 yards of braid in the Walmart, I buy it. So that's it for this week. If you're trying to figure out where to invest that 10 bucks you just won after spending 40 bucks on the scratch-offs, we might suggest you put it towards the first edition of Captain Dennis's The Amazing Collapsible Pontoon Boat. Maybe pick up some braid you found somewhere other than the Wish app, perhaps buy a copy of Prince's Purple Rain on vinyl, or uh, dumpster dive a whole collection of empty tippet spools, refill them, and sell them outside Cabela's as top-of-the-line fluorocarbon fly fishing tippet. <laughs> That's a good <laughs> idea. I might do that. You could also put it towards some fish-eating fish merch at the There's major an store. Idea. Looks There's good an on idea. you. Looks good yeah. on you. Just saying. Another thing you could do is uh, you know, send us an awkward photo, a bar nomination, a sale bin item, maybe a fish news. Anything you think we might be able to use on this show, just send it to bent at themeateater.com. Yep, that is one way to get swag from us. The other, of course, is tagging all your Insta stuff to Generate Angler and Bent Podcast. If we repost anything of yours, Billy's got a few stickers with your name on them. And finally, if you're going to build a porta pontoon out of what you already have at the house, remember to remove the sweaters and the Christmas decorations from those Rubbermaid tubs before you duct tape them together. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to Land 
www.ranchesforestmountainstreams.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, they're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today. 